really fun to be with you on Sunday Best. Uh, really enjoying some of those polls. Uh, obviously, 75% towards that half. Uh, so it, it's, it's something that we want to do. Just have a little bit of fun today. But what I want to uh, talk to you about today is something I hope you'll really take away from today. And it'll be more than just a bit of fun in your life. I actually hope it'll be something that could be transformative in the way you relate to God. Uh, you know, we're going to be thinking today about, uh, I guess in a lot of ways, how we connect with God. You know, we have a phrase that we often use, um, which is this idea often of living your best life. And living your best life, you know, kind of probably started this idea of, you know what, every person could uniquely live this kind of best life, but it's kind of morphed into usually it's a bit of just kind of a joke. It's a bit of this vibe of, you know what, I'm just kind of uh, relaxed. I'm doing whatever I want to do, and that's my best life. I'm, I'm you know, kind of, uh, and, and I want us to think about today, though, where and how do we actually find the best life possible? And I think this whole idea of Sunday best, actually, there's going to be something we're going to see in this, because what I really believe is that we find our best life possible, not when we are looking for what feels best in the moment, but when we actually offer our best to God. And so we're going to be really diving into this idea that you actually can find the best life possible, not when you move towards what feels best in the moment, but when you make a, a concerted decision to orient your life in such a way that you offer your best to God. You know, I think one of the reasons I thought this would be kind of fun right now is because we live in kind of the, a funny moment right now where, uh, you know, we are all kind of relaxed and casual. I loved seeing, you know, some of you kind of getting dressed up this morning. Uh, I know, you know, for many others, like, hey, we get up, we're in our sweatpants maybe more than we used to be, or you could be in your pajamas all day and be at work. There's lots of different dynamics. In fact, I brought a little uh, photo here of Thor and kind of how working at home's gone for him. Uh, I love this, this this kind of, you know, this, this idea, this meme here is day one, looking sharp, feeling your best, doing good, and by day five, working from home. You know, not so much, uh, but, you know, the, the whole thing that, uh, that I want us to think about today is what does it look like to offer our best? Because for all of us, the gravitational pull of life is usually not towards our best. The gravitational pull of life is usually towards what is most comfortable. Do you know right now today I've got a suit on. I don't normally dress like this. If you knew it, True North, we don't typically dress like this on a Sunday. But we're thinking in a little bit of a different headspace today. But you know what? I'm not comfortable today. <laughs> this, uh, I might be putting my best effort into dressing, but the reality is it's not comfortable. And I want you to reflect on this idea, even as we start, that when you go to offer your best to God, Here's my prerequisite for you. It will likely be uncomfortable. So we're going to get a little uncomfortable today. And we're going to do that by, uh, I want us to dive into a passage where God has something of a challenging, difficult word for his people. It's something of a challenging and difficult word. Uh, at the time, it was especially directed towards the leaders of his people, uh, the priests and, and where Israel was at that time. But it's, a, it's something of a challenging word, I believe, for all of us. And in our day, I believe it's a challenging word for all of God's people. Now, if you're someone watching this, you wouldn't say you're a follower of Christ or, you know, wouldn't put yourself in that category. You're in luck today because this has nothing to say to you. And you don't need to worry too much about it. 
But if you're somebody that's chosen to say, yeah, I want to follow Christ, then this is a message we've got to be willing to engage with. And what I believe, though, if we will walk through it, it can lead us towards the best life possible. We're going to look at Malachi chapter 1. Now Malachi, and this is why it feels a little foreign to us, this was written to the people of Israel back when they had uh, what we call now the sacrificial system in place. Their, their worship and the way God had you know, instructed them to worship relied on what we call the sacrificial system. They would bring offerings of animals. They, they were a people who lived on the land. It was a very different world than we live in. And as part of their worship, there was an entire system of offerings, of sacrifices they would bring to God at different times. And at this point in their history, they'd lost their temple and everything had gotten all gone wrong at one point. Now it's been restored. It's been kind of brought back. Uh, but the people aren't, they're, they're, they're maybe not going so well with it. In fact, they've kind of let that gravitational pull has taken them away from where they started. And God brings this word. It's a challenging word. But it's one that I believe can be transformative if we hear it. And he says this. He's talking to his people through his prophet Malachi, and he says this, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. This whole thing is going to be about the level of honor, and that means what do we value? God is going to talk to his people about, you know what, I see you valuing a lot of people in, 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 in your life. But if you see me as your heavenly father, and if you see me as a great master, then where and what does your value of me look like? He says, it's you priests who show contempt for my name. He's talking to the people like me. He's talking to the people who at that time were charged with leading the people of God. And he's saying to them that you're actually, instead of valuing my name, to show contempt is to say something doesn't matter very much. And God's going to say to the people who are leading his people at the time, you're showing contempt for my name. You're acting and living as though my name, as though who I am, does not matter very much. And then the priests, the people like me, are like, hey, how have we shown contempt for your name? And God says, by offering defiled food on my altar. By saying, and they're like, wait, 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 how do we do that? I didn't mean to do anything wrong here. I don't know what I, what I did here, God. But in verse 7, he says, by, you've done this by saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now we're going to pause here for a moment. It's kind of a long passage, but I want you to grasp what God is saying here. He was talking to these leaders of his people, and they were supposed to, the people would come, and they would bring their sacrifices. That was their worship. That was their offering. That's how it worked back then. And they were supposed to bring, if they were going to be obedient, the best of what they had to God. They were supposed to bring their best. But they've kind of got to this place where they're feeling a bit like, you know, does, does God, does this really matter that much? Does God really care? Maybe they were wondering, does he even see what we're doing? Maybe they just kind of felt like, you know what, I, let's, let's keep doing it. Let's not quit going to the temple. Let's not quit, but maybe we could just ease up a little bit and bring, instead of the best of what we've got, you know, where's that lamb that ain't nobody gonna eat that lamb, you know, we got no use for it. Let's bring that one. This is what the situation was like. And so, and then the priests, basically what's happened is the priests are finally just going, you know what, fine, it's too hard, it's too much work. I, okay, fine, whatever. That's what you got, whatever. And God, so he's talking to them and, and he picks up in verse 9. 
And he says, now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? And he's saying now, the priest's like, come on, God, be good to us, be good to us. But God's like, how should I feel right now? How should I feel right now? If you're giving me stuff, like if a governor or somebody important came to your house, you wouldn't serve them that. But you think it's good enough for me. How am I supposed to feel right now when you're just going, God, God, yes, yes. And then he says this, and this is, this is so strong, and this is so uncomfortable. And this is the one thing we don't want to get. We're going to see right here. God's going to tell them that basically their worship has become useless. And we don't, I, know, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't ever want God to say, you know what, your worship of me and your faith in me, your walk with me has become useless. He says, oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors. So that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. God's like, in case you're not entirely clear how I'm feeling right now, he's just coming around. I'm not pleased. I'm not pleased. He says, these fires are actually useless. And he says, I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. You know, I want to stop here because I want us to really make sure uh, we kind of get in touch. Here's, here's what we've got to understand here. I want to give you something. This is, I hope you can take this away today. One guaranteed way that you can make faith useless in your life. And it's what happened right here. And the way you can make faith useless is you begin to offer God second best. You begin to offer God your leftovers. Whenever we choose to say something or someone else will get the best of me, and God can have what's left, we begin to move in this direction, which is where faith becomes useless. God's like, look, this is useless. I wish you'd just close the doors. It doesn't benefit me. You're not honoring me. And not only that, but it's not going to benefit you. And what we're going to see today is that if we want our faith to be something that's transformative, if we want our faith to be something that actually leads us towards the best possible life, then we must offer God the very best of who we are and of what we have. Now, here's the thing. At this point, uh, and especially if you person may, if you've been around church world for a while, uh, one of the dangers we can have is we look at a passage like this and we think, okay, wait, this is Old Testament. This is about offerings. And like we did the offering moment a moment ago, Phil talked about offering, and so I can give some of my finances. So this is a message just about my finances and how do I give to God out of what I have because I don't have sheep or cattle. Now, this message very much applies to uh, structured formal worship like that, but we have to understand if we think it's that easy that all we got to think about is what we do with a small part of our money, we miss what God has for our lives. I want to take you for a moment, I want to jump to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we're going to begin to think about the sacrificial systems gone. We realize Christ is the perfect sacrifice. And now how then do we worship? How then do we bring offerings to God? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, that this is what our worship should look like. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, God's so good to you, this is who he is, so offer your money, your cattle, your, no, no, no. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your whole self, your whole life. 
holy and pleasing to God. This, this is your true and proper worship. Worship is not about, let me take one part of my life and give it to God and then go live my life over here. True and proper worship is how do I offer all of who I am to God. And so here's what I want you to see. That to worship God, to make sure that our, our faith does not become useless to us, we've got to bring together these two ideas. One, that our offering to God is when we bring the whole of our life to him and offer it before him. And two, that we should bring the very best of who we are. Do you know there's this uh, a funny dynamic that... Uh, you know, I, I, in fact, I think I've got a, a Zoom meeting call. I don't know if you've done many Zoom meetings. Maybe you've experienced this. We got a cat that was doing some Zoom meetings. I don't know if you could see that on your screen. Uh, but the whole idea there is, you know, we have a tendency of looking one way. If we got a Zoom meeting and there's no video camera, uh, you know what? Casual, you know, the cat's like hair going this way, hair going that way. Doesn't really matter. But like, oh, the video's on? I better, boom, I better look good because the video's on. Now here's the thing, we, we've got this dynamic where sometimes it's almost like if we, knew, if we knew someone was watching, what it looks like to bring our best suddenly takes on a whole new kind of level. It's like if that Zoom calls on, okay, then I know I really got to bring my best. I can't just be comfortable, I'm going to have to raise my game a little bit here. Can I tell you something? What I think, what God's saying to Malachi and, and what's good for us to hear is sometimes we end up living as though like we're on a radio call with God and, and we not really have to bring our very best. Just do whatever it kind of gets it across the line. If we do that, if we try to think of God in such a way that we don't have to bring him our very best but just a little bit, our faith becomes useless because God never intended to be one more thing in your life. God never, he did not create us in such a way that we could kind of just live our lives with something else getting the best of us and oh, and now I'll add God in here and then that'll go, that's not how God created us. He created us to know him as the very center of our lives. And when he's at the center, that's when everything finds its proper place. There's a story in the Old Testament about this uh, time where the Israelites and the Philistines, they're always kind of battling with one another and the Philistines are always, you know, trying to beat up on the Israelites. And at that time in their history, in 1 Samuel 6, uh, the Israelites have this thing, the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes God's presence with his people. Well, the Philistines, they capture it and they take it back to their temple. And their God was called Dagon. And they're like, you know what? We got a, a little statue here of Dagon. That's our idol. Let's take the Ark of the Covenant. Let's put it next to Dagon. And then this will be great because we got Dagon and we got, you know, the God of Israel. We got the Lord. This will be awesome. Now, the next day they come into the temple and what's happened is their statue of Dagon has fallen face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And Dagon's just laying there like he's worshiping the other God. And they're all like, oh, this is awkward maybe it was that once in 10 years storm. That's probably what did it, you know? Probably just coincidence. Ain't no thing. We'll pick up Dagon, put him back there, right next to the ark. They come in the next day, and Dagon's on the ground. This time, his arms are broken off the statue. His head's broken off the statue. Just his body's there. And you know what it is? It's this picture of God saying, this isn't how it works with me. You think you're just going to stick me next to whatever else is first in your life? No. 
God's like, I'm, I'm either number one or I'm, I'm nothing. And, and I, I share that story with you because I think sometimes here's, here's one of our great challenges today. In a world where even in a time of crisis we have so much, our great temptation is always to just make, want to put God right up there next to a few other things. What so easily becomes the center of our world, if we're, if we're honest, what, what most readily does, and the scriptures are always telling us, is it's so easy to end up with ourself. We just become the center. And we got our goals and our dreams and our plans, and we got all the things we're working on and what we're going to achieve. And then sometimes we hope we could just kind of stick God into the mix. And God, I'm working on all this stuff over here. And here's my goals and my plans and my dreams. And here's everything I'm going on. And yeah, God, I've got a little bit left over for you. And we think, yeah, let me just give you that. God's like, no. When you do that, that's useless. God is like, the way I created you, the way I designed you, I'm meant to be what is at the very center of your life. God's meant to be the sun. And everything else in our life revolve around him. And when God's in that center place, then everything finds its proper place. But you stick anything else there and say, God, you just get the leftovers. You miss. Your, your, your offerings lose what they're meant to be to God, which is a recognition of how great he is. And you lose the benefit of actually stepping into the flow of how you were designed to live with God at the center of your life. So here's where God finishes. Let's jump back to Malachi for a moment. And at the very end of this passage, he says this. He says, here's where it all went wrong. He says, verse 12. He says, you profane it. You profane my name. God's saying, look, I'm a great God. I'm an awesome God. But you, you don't give my name the value it deserves when you say the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. God's saying, when you get to this point, we're like, oh, I've got to do this for God. I've got to, you know, give him this. Or I've got to, you know, oh, it's Sunday and I better turn on the live stream. And what a burden. At least I could stay in my pajamas, you know, whatever it is. That act of worship. He says, this is what can happen in our hearts. And he says, this is how it's happening. He says, when you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands? When you bring me less than your best. And because God's like, you know what? If you had a Zoom call with like the boss of your company, he's like, well, how would you show up for that? And, and then God's like, so when you come to me and you want to meet with me, how are you showing up to meet with me? What do you bring to me? And he says, this is what he says. He says, cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. He says, here's the problem. It's not that you're not bringing good enough stuff. It's that you've got better and you're even saying, no, I'll bring you my best God. But really when it comes down to it, you're like, I'll bring you what's comfortable. I'll bring you what's easy. I'll bring you what doesn't cost me too much. God says, that's the problem. And here's why. It always comes down to this. This is what all of this comes down to. Who is God? God says, for I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty. And my name is to be feared among the nations. God says, don't miss who I am. You get this picture. This is God talking to his people going, you know, we started out good and it was like, you were bringing your best, but at some point it just all got to be too much and too hard and oh, it's just a burden. 
And God's like, I am a great king. And if you don't want to honor me for who I am, it's like he's saying, I don't want you to just try and stick me on the shelf next to everything else you got going on. I don't want you to just think, yeah, I can give my best everywhere else, but God can have whatever's left when that's done. You know, I think this is such a challenging word. I think it's one that every one of us, you know, it's more comfortable for sure to just kind of push this message to the side. But it's one we need to be reminded of. Because we gravitate. I gravitate. I, like I told you, I don't, you know, you're never going to see a meme of somebody who started out on, you know, like day one of, uh, you know, kind of working from home, looking, you know, like a, a slob. And then by day 12, they, they're looking like in their, like that's not the normal pattern. We have to fight against the pull of comfort. We have to fight against the pull of wanting to do what feels good to me in this moment. Because the best of all lives is found when we offer our very best to God. You know, I want to read you that Romans 12 verses again. And this is how it comes out in the message version. I love how Eugene Peterson brings this out. Because if you need to understand this whole idea of how do we bring our offerings to God, it's about all of us. It's about all of our lives. He says, therefore... He says, here's what I want you to do. Romans 12, 1 in the message. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Here's the great thing. God's going to help you with it. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. This is how you find God's best for your life. You take your everyday life, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work, you're all those things, and you put it before God as an offering. Now let me ask you this. As you do that, what kind of offering will you bring the very best of who you are in those spaces? You know, this week I was doing True North Fit. I don't know if you've done True North Fit. Uh, they should call it True North Pain. It was... Uh, it, it, I was doing a workout and following Pastor Phil's workout and, and you had to do this thing. It was called AMRAP, uh, as many reps as possible in a minute. And so it's like, okay, just go as hard as you can for a minute. And so the, it might've been doing, I remember at one point I was doing a set of push-ups, and it was as many as I can in a minute. So I'm going as fast as I can and I've been doing it. And I started to get to the point where I'd normally gotten to how many push-ups I would do in that minute. And I was like, I think that's good enough. And I didn't actually have a stopwatch in front. I'm like, that's probably good enough. And then immediately I had this like, are you bringing your best to God? Oh, Lord, don't be talking about a message. I'm just trying to work out right now. You know, I don't, like, just let me work out. We'll work on that later. But I was reminded, you know what 1 Corinthians six nineteen says is that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So should my offering to God connect to how I do a set of push-ups? Absolutely. You know, so many, and, and I had to choose in that moment, will I do what is comfortable for me right now? Or will I recognize, like, I've been given one body and what am I going to do with it? And it doesn't matter if nobody's looking right now. I'm living before God. Now, you might feel like this is just too much. Please don't bring God into my gym workouts. But I got to say, we, if we do not begin to bring God into everything we do, we are not bringing the kind of offerings that he wants. God's people should be a unique people in this world. We should be always a 100% people who offer the best of who we are. 
when we're in our workplace. We should be a different kind of employee. We should be the employee who always brings their best even when it's not noticed. You know, I love what Dorothy Sayers, if you've never read Dorothy Sayers, she wrote a lot about uh, believers back in the 40s and 50s and work. And here's one of the things she says about uh, how we work. She says, here's what usually happens. This is kind of how we often approach it in the church. She says, the church is approached, and she's going to talk about carpenters. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. You may be a carpenter. Whatever your work is, apply this to what you work in. She said, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours. Okay, like, how are you going to be good? Well, just make sure you're good, you know, and that you should come to church on Sundays, And somehow that will be an acceptable offering to God. What the church should be telling him is this. The very first demand his religion makes upon him is make good tables. I love that phrase. Make good tables. Do you see your work as something you are constantly offering to God or something you're just doing for someone else or a paycheck? Do you see it as a space where it's okay to go, nah, it's good enough? Or do you live the entirety of your life as an offering to God? And within those spaces to say, God, I'm offering you my best. I think the the message of Malachi is this reminder that we need to be reminded God is a great and awesome God. And he desires that we bring the best of who we are to him. And this applies when we're gathering to a, a kind of structured worship environment, like a Sunday service, whether in person or online. When we gather, if we're going to sing to him or we're going to engage mentally as we lean into the words, or if we come to the, the scriptures, do we do that as something where we're like, yeah, I'll give this much focus and attention over here, but this is the spot where I can just sit back? Or do we lean in and bring the best of our focus and the best of our energy and and prepared. You know, when my son Levi and I often watch a movie, we get the whole thing set up. We always hook up the TV to the sound system that my wife doesn't let us run everything through so that it could be nice and loud. You know, and, and we turn off the lights and we set it up because we want it to be just right. You know, do you have that kind of mentality when you engage? I think right now is an interesting time in how we do engage in worship. Do we engage from our homes just going, cool, I can sit back and chill? Or no, this is a unique space in my life where I'm going to bring the best of who I am into this. The best of my attention. Because this is the space where, as a community, we lean into, God, what do you have for us right now? And whether you're in a room where other people see you or not, this is a moment where you, it doesn't really matter if somebody's with you or not. You're on a Zoom call with God right now. Not now, only, but always. I love these words because they remind me that to live the life of faith, if I want it to matter at all, if I don't want it to be useless, I need to see all of my life as I bring the very best of who I am. It's how I talk to people. It's how I'm a parent, a husband, a neighbor, it's, it's how I do my sets of push. It's because I don't want my life to be compartmentalized between this is God and that's not. God, it's, this is the picture of Romans 12. Bring it all before him as an, as an offering. And as you do that, to bring the very best of who you are. You know, I don't know that I will start dressing like this every Sunday. That's not the point of all of this. There's so many dimensions to who God is. But if we're honest, a lot of the time we're more comfortable with the parts of God that make us comfortable. 
and we're more comfortable with the things that allow us to stay comfortable. But bringing the best of who you are, I believe you will find the very best for your life when you offer the best of who you are to God. When you begin to approach everything from how will I bring my best here for you, God. And the side of him that we are sometimes not comfortable with is the parts that just make us uncomfortable. But always our best is on the other side of our comfort. You know, if I'm really gonna find out what is the best my body can do, I'm gonna have to push through the point of comfort in that set of push-ups. I'm never gonna get there. And here's the beautiful thing. It's not, it's not you've gotta bring the best, it's you've gotta bring your best. Because guess what? The best I can do and achieve is gonna be different than what Pastor Phil can achieve. He, he may be capable of far more. It doesn't matter. What matters is, did I bring my best? Not his, not anyone else's. But the God of this universe, the great God of this universe, he looks down and it's not because he needs something from you or somehow he's in lacking or in need. It's not that he's like, boy, if you don't give that thing to me. You know, he says to Israelites, plenty of other places in the Old Testament, you know, I don't need your bulls. I don't need all the sacrifice. I'm not hungry. If I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. The reason God wants our best isn't because he needs something from you. It's because he wants something for you. And when you actually step into the place of recognizing this is who God is. He is a great and mighty king. He's the creator of all. From that place of recognition, you've gone, wow, and he is worthy of my best. I think too many of us are living lives that the thing we're really after is comfort. And God's saying to you, would you offer me your best? And as you offer him your best, you will find the very best for your life. You know, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. New song our team has put together. I love this song. I love the people on our music team who bring the best of those talents. The song about praising Jesus. And I want to encourage you as you think about how can in this moment and all week long, how can you live a life where you praise him and it is not something done with the leftovers of, of your time or your energy or your focus or your passion but you offer your very best. And I wanna encourage you maybe this week, what if you did this one thing, if you started every day with one simple prayer that you looked ahead at the day as it was gonna unfold. Maybe even you wanna look at your calendar for the day, but you just said, God, today I want to offer you my very best. God, I recognize you are a great and awesome King. And today I want to offer you the very best of who I am. And then imagine you walked with that right through your day, bringing God into every space, going, God, here and now, I offer you my very best. And that became the pattern of your life. And every day, and more and more, moment by moment, and yes, even on Sundays, when you engage in focused times of worship, and, but also on Mondays, when you were engaging in your work or in your fitness or in anything, but your life became focused on I know who my God is, and he is a great and awesome God. And out of a response of love for who he is and all he's done, I offer him my very best. Would you pray that this week? I'm gonna pray it right now.
and then we're gonna sing. God, we recognize in this moment, you are an awesome God. You are mighty, you are beyond our comprehension, and yet you step down into our world that we might know you. God, together we recognize that all of this is for your glory. And our heart's desire is that your name would be great. Great amongst our communities and our neighborhoods, our city, and great amongst the nations of this world that all people would know how awesome you are. And I pray that you would fill us with the strength to go past comfort and to live lives that offer you our very best. And God, that we might find your best for us. In Jesus' name. Let's praise him this morning.